afternoon once again is Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Another great spring day here in Brooklyn, New York. The end of the week for most of us here that do the shows uh, Monday through Thursday. Want to go out with a bang. And since tonight is such an important night for the National Football League, because if you're not, if you've been living under a rock, tonight is the first round of the NFL draft. A lot of careers, a lot of uh, teams' fortunes will be changed tonight. And I, I think that the novelty of just this event, how it went from being just a two-day, you know, all-day Saturday, all-day Sunday event, now being stretched out an entire weekend starting on a Thursday night. It lets you know the, uh, the, how enormous it's gotten and uh, the NFL, you know, stretched it out for a reason. Giving these players a primetime sort of show. Especially for the first three rounds. The first round is just for tonight. You got rounds two and three tomorrow night. And the uh, rest of the rounds will be on Saturday. And it's it's just... I think, like I said, they do a great job with the draft. Uh, it sucks for me, on a personal note, that it's not in New York. It's no longer in New York right now. And... Uh, I was so used to going to Radio City Music Hall for each year's draft, and uh, you know, not having that opportunity is is it's rough. But you understand why the NFL wants to move around. One of the main places uh, they're talking about for next year is Philadelphia, because this year it's in Chicago, like it was last year. And, and apparently, from people that I've I've heard that were there, they said it was really good. Chicago really uh, did its job down there, and uh, they've earned its keep, if, you know, we got to be uh, honest about it. So that's a really good thing. Got to give Chicago its due. I'm looking at the, you know, the, the mock drafts. We actually have Stan Talouise's mock draft for uh, this year on the site front and center. So uh, make sure you check that out. I'm going to hear from Stan as well as uh, Mr. Claude LaRoche. These guys are huge college football as well as NFL fans. So they can tell you both, you know, like what they did in the college game, these players, and what they can bring to the NFL level. And just their overall thoughts of the draft. So I had had the chance to talk to them earlier. And uh, we'll let you guys listen to that. Definitely some great stuff that they were talking about and. uh I just, you know, you're going to hear the breakdown of what they think is who's the number one pick, who's not. Because there's still, in my opinion, uh, it's still up for grabs. I'm not really sold on Jared Goff. I'm not sold on Carson Wentz as being a runaway number one pick, even though they're going to go one and two. It really, a lot of it depends on what each team really wants. I mean, let's be honest. There's, there's no... I'm going to RG3. Wow, I'm actually putting him in that category. But there's no Andrew Luck in this quarterback class. That's just not happening. These these two quarterbacks are good quarterbacks. They're just not stars, you know? Like, these are not the guys that are going to change a franchise right away. It's not happening. A lot, I'm hearing a lot about this, this other guy, Paxton Lynch. He may actually make it to the first round. You know, there's so many, so much confusion going on in regards to what the Broncos want to do. Do they want to trade for Sam Bradford now that he wants to be traded from Philadelphia? 
there's uh, that whole prospect that's still happening tonight. There's just, like I said, a lot of question marks in, in regards to what teams want to do and how they want to handle their uh, personnel. Definitely going to break that down. But once again, if you have a chance, check out uh, keepingitrealsports.com. It's the uh, lead story on there, the mock draft for the 2016 NFL draft. Check that out. That's from Stan Talouise. Now, later tonight, during the draft, we want you guys to be involved. We have a hashtag going. It's called K-I-R-S NFL Draft. So it's hashtag K-I-R-S NFL Draft. Tweet along with us as we're watching the draft and uh, giving our picks. And uh, just to see what everybody's on the same page. You want to see what everybody has to say. Uh, it will all show up on the website. So everything you tweet with the hashtag K-I-R-S NFL Draft will appear on the website. Keep that in mind. So we're taking a risk here. Trying something new. We want you guys to live tweet with us. Now, with that being said, there are going to be a lot of, you know, trades and uh, rumblings, like I was saying, besides the Sam Bradford situation. We've heard with the New York Jets possibly making a deal. They don't know what's going to go on with Muhammad Wilkerson. Are they going to bring him back? You know, is it worth dealing him now in this process to get more picks? The Jets still need a quarterback. There's so many question marks regarding the New York Jets alone. A team that was one game away from making the uh, playoff. Have they fully given up on Geno Smith? It appears so. They still haven't gotten a deal with Fitz. Definitely a lot of question marks going on there. You got the Giants. Do they want to have another wide receiver alongside Odell Beckham? They showed Cruz. Cruz looked good so far in minicamp. You know, his light workouts, it's it's voluntary. You know, he didn't have to do it. But he wants to show his commitment to the team. And the guy, you know, he said he feels good. He feels 100%. He's going to be counted on heavily this year. There's no question about that. Now, another guy that they've been talking about with the Giants, you know, Treadwell as being that other wide receiver, I've heard. Uh, Miles Jack has been ruled out by the Giants. The report coming in last night. Apparently, they don't want to take a chance on that knee injury. He is the consensus best linebacker in the draft. And as the best linebacker in the draft, there's going to be some... A lot of people interested. He's definitely a top 10 worthy pick, but that knee injury has a lot of people nervous that he's going to drop. We could see him dropping to a good team. That has the patience to wait on him to, to get ready. I personally would love the Giants to take him, but you know, if he if there are knee issues there, and there's you know, we have the team physicians doing their due diligence to check out how banged up this guy really is. You gotta take everything into consideration. Everything has to be looked at. Period. Now, in regards to the Giants having their new system. I mean, it's still, it's still McAdoo's system, let's be honest. He's been doing this since he got hired with Coughlin staff. How this defense is going to react if they don't get another linebacker. Um, you know, the, the Ezekiel Elliott's been thrown out there a billion times. I think there's like 20 teams out there that want Ezekiel Elliott but don't want to draft him in certain spots. Which is funny to me. I can actually see him falling to the uh, Cleveland Browns now. And would that be the worst thing in the world? Probably not. 
But this is also a Browns team that has a lot of question marks. This is still a Browns team that you don't know who the quarterback really is. You don't really know, you know, the wide receiver situation is always a question mark, running back question mark. The Browns have always been a mess. And uh, it's hard for them to find any type of remedy to what type of team they can be and how they can uh, just shake this kind of curse they've had on their, their franchise the last couple of years. But uh, that's what the Giants are looking at. I personally, as a Giants fan, would love to stay defense defensively and grab another linebacker. If we could grab a corner, that would be even better. I like the RC. I like the pickup from uh, the guy that played for the Rams. Jenkins, I like him too. But to have a, an, another possible top two corner playing as your nickelback, I feel like it's such a help in this in today's NFL. Like, so this is my opinion. You know, so many injuries happen. I feel like when the Giants have an injury, they just never have the right guy to step up after. That's always been an issue. So, like I said, those questions will be answered. And I kind of have to feel bad for uh, Mark Sanchez. He's a guy that nobody seems to trust anymore as being their starting quarterback. He was just recently dealt to the Broncos. And now the Broncos are talking about still making another deal with the Eagles to get Sam Bradford. It's like whatever this guy does, you know, he's still got the butt fumble. No one's ever going to forget the butt fumble on that Thanksgiving night between against the Patriots when he played for the Jets. No one's ever going to forget that. National TV. I feel like that's just going to haunt the rest of his career. But who knows? I mean, I like Mark Sanchez. I think he's one of those guys that is still a serviceable quarterback. Great backup. I'm going to put him in that label as a great backup. But if I'm Denver, I wouldn't go too crazy with trying to trade for Sam Bradford. I don't think he's that much better. That's my opinion. I think if you want to draft Paxton Lynch, you draft Paxton Lynch, but start Mark Sanchez. The defense won the Super Bowl last year anyway. You guys can have your agree, you know, you can disagree to agree with me. That's the way I feel like they go. I don't want to hear T-Bow talk. That's not happening. I do not want to hear T-Bow talk. T-Bow had his chances. It just, you know, he's not, he's not a quarterback. The guy just doesn't have the ability to do certain things that they need him to do at that position. So that's the uh, that's the way I look at it in regards to how to handle the Broncos and their, their quarterback position. Now, the Eagles, it's a whole nother story. You're talking about a situation where you don't know if Bradford's going to stay. Then you picked up Chase Daniel. Now you're basically going to take a quarterback, whether it's Jared Goff or Carson Wentz tonight. You got yourself a headache there. Eagles are a mess. I, I'm trying to find a little uh, little ray of sunshine there that can help them out. I just don't know. There's still Colin Kaepernick out there. We don't know what Colin Kaepernick's going to do. Is he worth it when you really think about it? 
the quarterback position has become such a question mark for so many teams. That's why as a Giants fan, I just try not to complain too much about Eli Manning because it's good to say we can pencil in Eli Manning in the starting lineup every day. Because to not know who your quarterback is, is, is a tough situation for any team. That's why I think the Texans uh, showed out all the money they did to Brock Osweiler. They realized the situation they were going to be in. They didn't want to go into another year of guessing if, if Hoyer's the guy or not. It just didn't make sense. I mean, Hoyer is going to be, uh, I think he met with the Jets, but no contract was given. Jets don't, still don't know, and I've already dealt with them. That You know, the whole Geno Smith was just sitting there with his, with his jaw, like, basically put back together. Yeah, one broken jaw just changes a franchise just like that. Interesting stuff. What's also interesting is that I'll be taking your phone calls. 516-900-2278. Definitely going to spend this hour talking about the NFL draft and uh, just breaking down what we think is going to happen. And like I said, to, you know, tweet along with us during the draft tonight. K-I-R-S NFL Draft is the hashtag. Make sure you have it on there. And it will it would appear automatically on KeepingTheRealSports.com. I'm looking at the, you know, just, just the landscape of the teams and, you know, the different things that they may need. Trying to find that guy that I think is going to be, I think Treadwell is going to be really good. I think he's going to be a very good wide receiver to whoever he goes to. Probably Minnesota, I'm hearing. There's some gems there in that first round. I think that uh, a lot of teams will come out pretty well. I'm not too worried about it being a heavy bust. Probably the first two picks because they're quarterbacks and they're not great quarterbacks. But I'm not too concerned with, oh, man, this guy is a miss. This guy's that. This guy's I'm not too worried. About that. I think they're going to get a... Interesting pick, no matter where, in that, in that whole category. I find like I feel like something there is going to help your team, especially in the later rounds. I think we got a lot of those type of players that are great later round talents, and they're going to help. A, they're going to help a team that's already in the playoffs now. That's that's the type of draft it is. I think it's that deep. But uh, like I said, the first hour we're dedicating to the NFL draft. Second hour, we're going to recap some of the NBA playoffs and uh, the three games last night and actually talk about the Houston Rockets. What, what type of team is I'm, I'm still confused at how a team can get beat down the way they did. And and we were just joking about this yesterday. We had uh, Lincoln Ricketts on the phone about how Jason Terry guaranteed a win. I guess he might have been a guaranteed win for the Golden State Warriors because they... I don't even know if we're going to call it a game. Uh, I think the guys on NBA on TNT were doing the Harlem Globetrotters theme music. They were making fun of it. It was it was that bad. It was Clay Thompson was taking Steph Curry threes. It, it was... My God. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about the other series as well as the uh, LA Clippers still trying to stay alive without their top guns. 
they lost a tough one to Portland last night. We're going to see what, what they can actually do because there's a lot of uh, question marks regarding what the Clippers are going to do. Uh, Doc Rivers, you know, he has, a, he has his work cut out for him. That's the bottom line. He really has his work cut out for him. But like I said, we'll take your calls. 516-900-2278. At Ed Easton Jr. is, is my Twitter name. So uh, tweet me there, at Ed Easton Jr. Also, make sure you check out sportssocialpod.com. That's the, that's the website for this show. Sports, sportssocialpod.com. You're going to have um, detailed interviews and uh, just different things going on regarding the show. So uh, make sure you check that out. And what we're going to do now is uh, step aside for our first break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Slayers who snatch your life and they try when they do produce and sell the same be twice. But 
And we're back, Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Southcast FM. Uh, once again, taking your calls, 516-900-2278. Talking NFL draft tonight. It is going down tonight, the NFL draft. Live from Chicago. Should be back in New York, but live from Chicago. Not used to saying it, but I got to get used to it for a while till New York gets his stuff together. Now, there's been so much talk, obviously, behind Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. And we're still not sure who's the better player. So I thought it would make sense for everybody to get to know these players, these two players in particular, a little better. So, remember the combine back in February? They had a presser and they discussed what they were, you know, what they think to bring to the NFL. Their little, everybody talked about their limitations, their, just the different problems, I guess, they were, uh, that people say they have heading into this year's draft. So, after their combine workouts, they got a chance to talk to the media. And this is what they had to say. I'm actually going to start off with uh, Jared Goff, and he's basically talking about the uh, you know the criticism saying that he has small hands. As a quarterback, it's very important to have big hands. You got to make sure you can grip the balls. You know, a chance of being a lot of fumbles, and that's always a concern for most teams. The other was his accuracy. Obviously, a quarterback, you got to hit the target. I don't think you you know you have to be a uh, a rocket, scientist, a rocket scientist to understand that. You have to hit the target. So, questions regarding his accuracy and his hand. Those were the uh, big topics during his presser back in February. Let's uh, check it out. Heard about heard I had small hands apparently yesterday. And, no, I've never had a problem with that. And, um, I don't expect it to be a problem at all. Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, with everything that you know goes, goes good or bad during the season, you kind of use it as an opportunity. And I think you know that game did went about as bad as it can go, and I kind of use it as an opportunity to you know show that I can bounce back and show that I can have a little bit of resili- resiliency to myself and to my teammates and to just everyone surrounding the program. Kind of wanted to show that and was able to bounce back a little bit. Didn't win the next game, but played better and um, was able to finish out the season pretty well, which I was happy about. No, I always want to go out there something to prove. I have a, always have a chip on my shoulder, and I always want to go out there and you know prove people wrong, prove people right, whatever it is. I just go out there and you know try to do my best. And um, but yeah, but no, by no means am I complacent at all. I want to go out there and and um, do my best and hopefully play well. Jared, what do you bring to the team that drafts you? I think tremendous leadership, uh, hardworking. Um, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to improve a team the day I get there. Honestly, I think I can, I can be a guy that can play right away. A guy that you know can sit if I need to and uh, learn. But honestly, I'm excited for whatever team wants to draft me, and uh, I'm excited to make an impact right away. What attribute I think my accuracy is uh, one of my best uh, attributes. I think you know I've been pretty accurate my whole life, and was able to improve that at Cal even more. And um, and then I think something I want to work on is kind of tying my feet to my upper body a little bit and kind of staying a little bit more on balance when I'm throwing. I was able to get away with some stuff, I think, in the past of 
maybe falling off throws or you know just kind of getting away with it because I was in college and I was my, had, had enough arm talent to do it, but um, I don't expect to be able to get away with that really much longer. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be happy to go anywhere. What do you make of Carson Wentz from Division One AA being right there with you as the number you know, one or 1A? I mean, for, for all your career at Cal against better competition, what do you make of the Wentz friends? Carson's, Carson's a great player. Car, me and Carson have been training together now for you know, six or seven weeks, and he's a great player, hell of a quarterback, and it's going to be really good wherever he goes as well. Competition yeah, I think so. I think it, I mean it's just like anything else. When we go out there, we throw together, and it's by no means is it like cutthroat. But you know we're we're, we're competitive with each other, and um, you know we're just trying to do our best every day. Yeah, there's there's obviously going to be a transition, and um, I think it happens. But I think there's every, there's transition with every quarterback coming from. College in the NFL, and so I'm excited for it. Honestly, I think I think I did a lot of stuff in college that does translate well. And then again, there's a lot of stuff that I need to improve on. And I, again, I'm excited for that and excited to make those adjustments and that transition. I like the uh, Jared Goff. Exactly what he had to say. He was really focusing a lot on just talking about what he can bring to the table. Uh, the media during that time was throwing, you know, throwing little things at him. See what he thought of Carson Wentz, who technically is not a Division One quarterback being compared in the same light as him, he could have easily taken that and, uh, you know, been a little petty with it. But uh, you, you got to realize with these type of things, it's not just about your talent. It's, it's a lot of it has to do with your character as a person. And, you know, I hate the reference, like, Ryan Leaf is a, an example of that, a guy that just, he, he may have had some talent, but really sitting down and referencing his uh his personality was the big key in my opinion and uh I, you know like i said but i also use uh the movie draft day i don't know if you guys saw that with kevin costner and uh, jennifer garner he uh the consensus number one pick was bo callahan that's what everybody kept saying bo callahan he had all the all the tools you know can make throws and everything but he noticed something on his uh video about him like being rattled after a while that's on the field and then also the players not really respecting him and as a quarterback you gotta have that respect there were character issues there leading to him being passed by several teams mind you this was this was just a uh, movie but a lot of it had some relevance to what happens in the nfl draft year to year when you're a scout and you're judging these players you got to look at not just their athletic ability but what they, how they are as a person, because if you're going to be a quarterback, you got to be looked at as the leader of this team. Whether you're very stoic or you're very rah-rah, it has to be for the team, and it has to be in a sense that you're helping the cause, you're not hurting them. So uh, I think with Jared, that was, uh, that was good in terms of the way he handled the interview and in terms of handling the press conference, I should say, and discussing another uh, rival at quarterback. You'd be surprised how there are many people that will mess that up and they'll say the wrong thing. So, you know, you always got to beware. And uh, I think golf to me earned some points with that. Uh, he said the Cleveland Browns, obviously this happened back in February. This is before the Cleveland Browns straightened out of there to uh, possibly make way for the Philadelphia Eagles grabbing him at number two. So 
like I said, there's still questions. Who's going to go number one? Who's going to go number two? That's the fun part about all. Now let's take a, uh, a listen back to uh, Carson Wentz, the other big-time quarterback in this draft. This is what he had to say at the end of the uh, 2016 Combine. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's kind of what I expected, you know, going in to, to show that what I'm capable of. But I think to, to a lot of people, it showed that I can handle um, that game speed. You know, obviously, there's still going to be a big jump going forward. Um, but that was probably the big question. Everyone wants to know, can he adjust to, well, he's playing FCS ball. All these guys are FBS guys. Um, you know, I think I went in there and proved that I can handle that. I never did. You know, I'm I'm a very confident player, and I've I know what I'm capable of. But you know, I know a lot of people had that that question, so I was excited to go prove that. Say that again. I was told you had some big names. What kind of light you shed on those? We'll keep those on hold for a while. How about that? <laughs> what went on with the uh, airsoft battle you had in the like, in the dorm room on the freshman? <laughs> Yeah, it was just, we were all, all the freshmen were back uh, in the dorms over our, we called it winter camp, um, as everyone else was uh, back home for, for Christmas, so we had the dorm to ourselves, and, you know, we had a little fun. <laughs> Carson, you seems to have come a long way very fast. Does it feel like life is speeding up for you? A little bit, but, you know, it's, it's always been a dream. You know, I, I view this as every day is just an opportunity to, and I'm, you know, I'm grateful. I'm excited as heck to keep playing ball for sure, so. Offense did you run, and how big do you think the jump will be? Um, so at, at North Dakota State, we were pro style, under center quite a bit, huddle up. Um, but you know, over the last couple of years, we got really multiple with that. We ended up doing a lot of different stuff out of the gun. Um, still stayed true to our power football play action pass. Um, but then there's more of, of me running the ball a little bit as well. Um, I think that'll help me tremendously going forward. You know, I had a lot. Um, was in charge of a lot at the line of scrimmage, changing plays, run checks, you know, all sorts of all sorts of fun stuff like that. Um, but obviously, there's going to be a jump. You know, the, the NFL playbook's probably twice the size of what we did, you know, or or more. Um, and I'm I'm excited for that. I, you know, I'm a student of the game. I love love learning football, so I'm excited to learn that. Well, I, I think right away, you know, the biggest challenge that myself. You know, anybody standing up here on this podium is going to say it's just adjusting to that speed. You know, you, you put on some NFL tape or you watch um, Monday Night Football, Sunday games, whatever, you realize these guys are playing fast, you know. And so um, you got to adjust right away and learn to adapt pretty quick, and I'm, I'm excited for that opportunity. You can't, can't do that without live competition between now and training camps. So how do you convince teams that you can do that, you know, before that happens? Yeah, you know, I mean, for one, all you can go off of right now is what, what I've done in the past, you know, what, what's been put on the tape, um, so to speak. So I think that speaks for itself quite a bit. And, you, you know, you, you come into these meetings, you show it on um, what you're capable of learning, how quick you're able to adjust and, and acquire information and, and spit it back out and um, learn and understand. And, you know, that's, that's really all you can do. Yeah, I think the success of guys like Joe Flacco or Tony Romo or, you know, the list goes on, whether it's quarterbacks or other position players, you know, there's a lot of talented individuals at the FCS level that can play. And especially a guy like Flacco coming in early right away as a rookie and, and winning some ball games, I think shows that, you know, that, that adjustment can be made by, by special players for sure. 
best quarterback in this draft. And I know you guys have a, a little bit of a friendly rivalry going on, you know, out west. Can you just talk about, you know, do you feel like you're the best quarterback in the draft and how's that rivalry going out there? Yeah, you know, I'm not big on speculating about that. You know, I don't really pay a ton of attention to the other guys. I'm really focused on myself and, and being the best I can be. You know, I believe in myself. I'm confident. Um, I believe in myself to be a franchise quarterback. Um, but, you know, that's for all the, all the opinions really only matter for, you know, you guys all have, have fun stuff to write about. Um, and then the teams, that's really all that matters. So. you believe yourself to be a franchise quarterback? What does being a franchise quarterback mean to you? I think, first and foremost, you got to win. And I think being a winner um, in the NFL, you know, that, that'll take you places for sure. Um, I think for me, coming out of North Dakota State, you know, I think the track record speaks for itself as a winner. Um, so when I think of a franchise quarterback, not only do I think of the, the physical ability, but I think of, uh, excuse me, being a winner, winning ball games, taking command, being a leader, all those things really come to mind. It's interesting. You see, uh, you know, obviously hearing from from Carson Wentz in regards to what he thinks matters in regards to how he should be drafted. And, you know, he talks about being a winner as being the most important thing. And I agree with him. Uh, I like how there's such a di- there's a big difference in terms of personality between him and golf. I think golf is more polished in terms of interview skills and just things that the way you respond to the media. I'm not saying that Wentz isn't, but Wentz kind of gives you more of that aggressive, like, yeah, you know, I just came here to win, you know. And I like it. I like that. I like the difference between the two. I don't think either one is bad. I think that uh, Wentz gives you that more of a like a uh, uh, how can I explain it? Almost like a Philip Rivers vibe at times that he could be like that. I don't think he's gonna be as much as uh, you know some people would say a jerk as Philip Rivers, but he has that motor. I feel like that you need as a quarterback. Now composure may be a different story because like he said, like I said, he's played in North Dakota State. He hasn't played at a big school. Hasn't faced some of these guys that are all like top talents from, you know, big name schools. That's that's a big deal heading into the NFL where everybody was Mr. Football somewhere. You know, it could be Arizona. It could be uh, Florida State. It's that type of uh, atmosphere. So that's something to really consider when you look at Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. What type of quarterback do you need? Now, with the Philadelphia Eagles, I feel like Carson Wentz fits better for what they're trying to do. And I think for that culture. Wentz comes in with that attitude, with that that sort of chip on his shoulder. That, to me, fits Philadelphia so much. Jared Goff, I think, would be great. He'll be calm. He'll be laid back. He's California. Go for the Rams. It just makes sense. California quarterback. Team moving out to L.A. I like the way. I think I like the way that looks. If I'm the L.A. Rams, you go Jared Goff. If you're the Philadelphia Eagles, you go Carson Wentz. That's just the way I look at it. Just from listening to the guys, and obviously we've seen the way they play. We've seen the game tapes. But a lot of it can be, you know, a, a lot can be learned from their press, their pressers. So hearing that, that's the first thing I'm thinking about where he fits. So I think that works out. Another guy that I do want to check out in regards to what they said during their presser is, another, is he's been a guy that's been up and down the draft board every single day. And that's Ezekiel Elliott out of Ohio State. A lot of people say, you know, obviously he's going to be the best player available in the draft. But who really wants a running back? That's always the question. Who really needs a running back? So uh, it's it's always going to be a, a big thing. And I think Elliott's one of those versatile players that can really help a team out in the backfield. 
And uh, we're going to just take a, a quick chime in and hear what he had to say at the end of his combine. I think the guys last year that were first round picks like Todd Gurley, they they set a good a standard for for the younger generation coming up, and uh, I think we're gonna bring it back. Who's gonna run the fastest forty of the Ohio State guys here? Can you, can you beat them all? Uh, that's a tough one. I don't, I don't know who's gonna run the fastest forty. I'd have to say um, I probably have to go with Braxton. Uh, I think the thing that sets me apart is just my versatility. I'm a guy that uh, he can play three three downs. Uh, you don't have to take me off the field. Uh, you know, I value blocking more than anything. I obviously love to run the ball. I think I have great hands off the backfield. Uh, you know, Marshall Falk was my guy growing up, and that's who I always emulated my game after. And uh, he's he's been a mentor to me. We we have the same agent, and uh, you know, he's been a a big help to me in this process. You know, just kind of staying on pace. You know, he helped me get on the board and get ready for these interviews. We apologize for the uh, technical difficulties, but just listening to what he said in regards to uh, Marshall Falk, just being the guy to, to give him guidance, and that's also being his favorite player. You look at Ezekiel Elliott's, you know, his his whole his whole like uh, game. I mean, for the most part, he gives you a little bit out of the backfield. He could be an every down back, and that kind of fits along with Marshall Falk and what he used to do back in his. Uh, his uh, best years with the in the NFL. Now, in regards to what type of uh, player Ezekiel Elliott turns out to be, that remains to be seen. I think that he does give me little flashes of that, but it's it's really tough to tell it. You know, when you get a when you get a player like that, it's really tough to tell what type of um, type of way you can gauge like a performance because you're playing against different um different types of talent it's college it's still college football i think elliot is a top pick where he goes i mean as a giants fan i was hoping he'd go to us he's an every down back but you uh you never know you never know how teams are going to approach it i heard the dallas cowboys i've heard the cleveland browns heard a variety of teams but uh that's what happens when you have a player that's very very versatile and when you have players that are versatile they come from great programs like ohio state you're not going to be the only one that people are going to be looking at Obviously, you already know about Braxton, uh, Braxton Miller, this whole situation. The guy was a quarterback turned wide receiver. And uh, another guy that I think a lot of people are going to look at is uh, Joey Bosa. He's been up and down the board. And I think when you talk about a guy that can, can really but pretty much rush the quarterback and change a game in a heartbeat, you're talking about this guy. And uh, this is what he had to say that same day. This is his presser at the uh, Combine from 
this past, I think, February, I would have to say. Here's uh, Joey Bosa from Ohio State. Um, of course, I wanted to finish it a different way, being out there with my team. But uh, seeing them able to come back after losing me and a bunch of other guys on the D-line and pulling out that win, it was, it was pretty exciting for me. Um, that's not really my place to make that call, but um, pretty inconsistent call, inconsistent penalty. Um, I'm not in college anymore, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Joey, how, how exciting is the, the thought of being part of the father-son combination? Oh, really exciting. Uh, hopefully we have a, another younger brother coming in three or four years, too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going dis- to discuss that with teams one on one. No, it's not frustrating. I could, I could see myself playing really anywhere on a, on a defensive line. Um, I've been working standing up, been working on my linebacker drops. Uh, so I definitely feel like I'm ready to play in a 3 4 or 4 3. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I think it definitely helped. A lot of kids coming to college really have never worked out or have done the things we do at St. Thomas. It's it's definitely a great high school. gets you gets you mentally and physically prepared for the next level. And uh, of course, grateful I got to got to go to such a great school. Um, I just, of course. Being looked at in, in a 3-4 defense, I knew that I might uh, have to come in and uh, do linebacker drills as well. So I just wanted to be fully prepared. Yeah, as a team, all those losses, all the haters, all the all the doubt and everything really, I think, brought us together as a team and really helped us mature our relationships as well as football players and as men. So uh, thanks for hating on us. Uh, it, really, it really helped us, I think, in the long run. That's uh, Joey Bosa. Gives you that energy, gives you that, uh, that fire. I mean, the guy obviously had the uh, issues with NCAA. He has some freedom. He has the ability now to uh, to really take that freedom to the NFL, which could be a good or a bad thing if you know the history of the uh, of players like Joey Bosa in these types of situations. So, gonna be curious to see if this guy can uh, keep everything together and not uh, not mess up his chances. We don't want another Johnny Manziel situation, especially for any team that's looking to draft him. With that being said, uh, we're gonna take a break. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to have a little discussion. I'm actually going to gonna you're gonna play back the discussion I had with Claude and uh, Stan Talouise in regards to the NFL draft tonight and what they're looking for. So uh, stay tuned for that. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Boys and girls want to hear a true story. Saturday night is at this real wild party. 
They had the liquor overflowing the cup About five, six strippers trying to work for a buck Then I took one girl outside with me Her name was Lonnie She went to junior high with me I said, why you up in there dancing for cash? I guess a whole lot changed since I seen you last She said, what would you do if your son was at home? Crying all So my daddy couldn't rape us Before I was a teenager I done been through more This shit you can't even relate to What would you do with the summer's at Wait a second, man. Something just ain't sounding right. Yo. You trying to tell me your girlfriend couldn't just go out and get a regular job? Man, it's mad shorty's going through the same mad thing, shorty. yo. If I ever ran into your girlfriend, I'd probably say, Hold up. What would you do? Get up on my feet and let go of every excuse. What would you do? Because I wouldn't want my baby to go through what I went through. Come on, what would you do? Get up on my feet and stop making tired excuses. What would you do? What are your thoughts on who's who's going number one in this draft and why? Um, it's interesting. I think that the Los Angeles Rams do take their quarterback of the future here, and they'll be selecting Jared Goff. Um, the reason why they will be selecting Jared Goff is because he is the most pro um, in terms of the competition that he's faced and the success that he um We've seen this guy take Cal from, honestly, a, a to, from being a terrible team to a winning program. And um, that kind of adversity is ideal in the NFL because he is going to take a team that has, quite frankly, been at the bottom of the barrel and try and uh, put it on his back, to say the least. Uh, will he be successful in the NFL is another question. I mean, uh, if you looked at some of the statements that scouts have made about this quarterback, this year's quarterback class, they wouldn't be first-round picks in any other class. Uh, so it's interesting to see why the Los Angeles Rams would move up from 15 all the way to number one 
and it shows you what the value is surrounding quarterbacks in this day and age. Yeah, I, I found that interesting too. And, and, you know, obviously that whole situation in terms of them being on the hard knocks and wanting to probably come on with more of a big splash. You want people to be looking at them as saying, okay, this is the team that has something that they want to build with, and a quarterback is the best way to start, especially if you're playing your first year in Los Angeles. So I understand that mindset. Now um, I'm going to stay with you, Claude, for the uh, number two pick. You saw the other big trade was with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles moving up with the Cleveland Browns. Now what is Philly thinking? We already heard Sam Bradford once out. What is Philadelphia thinking at number two? Who knows what Philadelphia is really thinking? I mean, the idea is that they're going to move. They moved up to take Carson Wentz. Um, now, the issue with that is, is Carson Wentz, to me, isn't necessarily NFL ready. And that's why they want to keep Sam Bradford on the roster for this year, at least. And they have, they have him on lock for the next two years, so he's not really going anywhere. I think the pick is going to be Carson Wentz. Um, his potential is great, but... Drafting someone at this this point in the draft, all the options that they've given away to get this guy who is going to be their guy moving forward is going to hurt this franchise in the long run. And, again, we see how valuable the quarterback really is in the NFL. Um, both these teams, the Los Angeles Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles, are letting go of grade-A talent to take what – is the best quarterbacks in this class, um, which is a subpar class, to say the least. Okay. Uh, I actually agree with that. I mean, the Eagles, like I said, they want to make different moves. They're really coming from a new regime now. I mean, this is, this is, in my opinion, this whole deal when it was made, I don't think that the uh, new coach was really uh, brought in in regards to it. Um, Doug Peterson, I don't think he had any type, any type of say in regards to this deal, because he already had his guy in Chase Daniels. He was going to replace Sam Bradford. Uh, Sam Bradford obviously won his way out, so it's a bit of a mess there in Philly, but uh, it's nothing new. I mean, let's be honest, Philadelphia, they always seem to kind of shoot themselves in the foot. But uh, just well, let's, let's double-check the these. Other, uh, is, yes? The other thing is with Philly is, you know, they kind of want to get rid of any trace of Chase, I mean, not excuse me, not Chase Daniels, but Chip Kelly. Um, he really did hurt that franchise, and they want to get back on the right track before uh, they get hurt anymore. I don't think that this trade really helped them out at all. Okay. So I just want to make a quick check real quick. Stan, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, I want to make sure. You sound like you're in a, you're in a better spot. Yeah, uh, it turns out the train isn't coming because of police activity, so I'm going to take a cab to my destination, uh, but I'm here. Okay, so Stan, um, we're going to try again now. The first pick, who do, you have? who do you have going for the first pick? With the first pick, uh, it's got to be Jared Goff. I think it's the safe pick. Um, like Fawn said, you know, there's no real great quarterback prospect in this draft. There's no Andrew Luck, no RG3. So uh, this is that's a, that's a smart pick. You know, Jared Goff is like, you know, he's the, he's the girl you think you've been over the Okay, and at number two, this is the Eagles. Number two is definitely going to be Carson Wentz. I think the Eagles moved up for uh, to, uh, to take Carson Wentz. You know, I, I, I kind of disagree with it because of uh, the fact that 
you know, they just uh, signed Chase Daniel. They, you know, they're bringing Doug Peterson as a new coach. And, you know, he, he, I, I don't – Paul did mention uh, something absolutely correct is that, you know, they're trying to wipe the slate clean and pretty much do away with anything that Chip Kelly might have done. Uh, so, I, I, I mean, I just I just don't think that uh, the idea is – the idea to bring in uh, Carson Wentz to be a starter is smart. I think uh, it's unfair to Chase Daniel. It's unfair to Sam Bradford. But Carson Wentz is going to be the pick. And the, one thing, the best part about that, about this this, uh, this plan to take Carson Wentz here, is that it doesn't put him in a position where he has to start right away. You know, you've got plenty of guys that can that can that can, that can play. So, uh, you know, maybe Carson Wentz develops and he becomes a better quarterback in the long run. Okay, that's definitely something to think about uh, in regards to both these quarterbacks' developments because if they do go one and two like we're all expecting at this point, how will it affect them down the line? Who's going to be the bust? Are they both busts? You know, it's, it's just so many questions, especially since they came in already a little bit shaky. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit and look at the rest of the draft and look at certain teams that are going to stand out right away in regards to certain picks. What do you think is on the mind of the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, you know, we're always hearing these rumors in regards to what they're going to do with Tony Romo because he's getting older, he keeps getting hurt. They have issues at corner. They have issues at possibly maybe even running back. Do they want to make a switch there? What is the mindset of the Dallas Cowboys now? And I want to start with you, Claude. Um, talk about the hardest pick in the draft. The Dallas Cowboys are in a great position where they could either benefit from whatever San Diego does or kind of just implode and trade out. Um, but sitting at number four, if it stays as is, I do believe that the Dallas Cowboys take Joey uh, Joey Bosa. The reason being is they need a pass rush, um, and Randy Gregory is going to be suspended for a little bit. Greg Hardy's no longer on the team. They don't have anybody right now who can uh, rush the edge. If it's not Joey Bosa, the only other person I could see them taking, if he's still available, is Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, there's been rumors coming out that Jerry Jones is enamored with this guy. He loves Ezekiel Elliott. And the last guy that he wanted this bad was Johnny Manziel. Um, he was able to be talked out of that pick, but I'm not sure if Joey Bosa is not on the board, if Ezekiel Elliott won't be the pick for the Cowboys. All right, uh, Stan, I'm going to pose the same question to you. What do you think the Cowboys do at their pick? Uh, I mean, I, I agree with Claude. I mean, I think uh, at this point, Jerry Jones does really love Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, there's rumors of, of uh, San, um, not San Diego, or Miami jumping into the third spot to take him. Uh, I don't know what the offer could be. Uh, it, would take, it would have to be a, a substantial offer for Miami to jump ahead of the Cowboys to take him. I think the smart pick is Jerry Bosa. Um, like uh, Claude mentioned, uh, Randy Gregory is going to be suspended. Uh, Red Hardy is gone. And don't forget about Demarcus Lawrence. He's also uh, going into a second year. He's, he's also uh, in trouble. So, Bosa feels a need, and he's at that point the best available player for them. Okay. Uh, now, my next my next question, obviously, we see we have this whole thing with the Cowboys. How about their NFC East rival, the Giants? Now, obviously, with the start of mini camps, there's going to be a lot of questions about maybe wide receiver. I heard Treadwell being a possibility for them at number 10. I've heard Ezekiel Elliott. I've heard Ronnie Stanley as offensive tackle. And I've heard possible linebackers out there. What do you think the Giants do at number 10? And, Claude, this is for you. 
Um, so this is the year where the Giants draft the linebacker in the first round. I think the hmm. Giants go with Leonard Floyd out of Georgia. Huge pass. Yes, yes. Um, a guy who, quite frankly, <laughs> could be the best pass rusher in this draft. Um, I've heard that the Giants are really, really locking in on linebacker in this draft. And once you go through the run of the top linebackers, um, you're not able to get one again. So I think they take one early. They're going to they're gonna avoid Miles Jack. I really do think that a lot of people are taking this knee thing very seriously. And uh, Reggie Ragland isn't as athletic as uh, the other guys. Leonard Floyd is the best option right here, right now. Okay, and uh, standing from your reaction, it sounds like you agree with this pick? Absolutely. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Miles Jack. I watched him play uh, some, of his, some, some of his highlights in high school. I, you know, the guy was the Pac-12 offensive and defensive rookie of the year in 2013. I love Miles Jack. I'm not scared of by the meniscus, but guess what? I'm not drafting for the Giants. But let me play a bit. If he's the guy that they want, I have no problem with it. The guy rushes the passer as good as anybody out there. Um, he can play with his hand in the dirt. He's a good, he's a good, well, you know, he's a good free uh, technique. Uh, uh, he, he, I mean, the guy does it all. He's rising up a lot of draft shots. Personally, I don't think he's going to be there. I think uh, Jacksonville might snatch him up early. Um, I think there's a chance, you know, he, 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 he gets picked up. If he's there, he's the guy. I would love that pick. Like you said, well, Reggie Ragland, real stiff in the hips. He's not as athletic. He's gonna, he, he, might, he might fall down to the Jets at 20. So, uh, I, I absolutely think that it would be a great pick if it took uh, an from Georgia. Okay, well, how about this? We, may, we talked about one New York team. How about the other? A lot of talk with the Jets in regards to what they're going to do, maybe trading in the draft. They're uh, one of their, you know, prized defensive players. Claude, you're a huge Jets fan. What are the Jets doing at their pick? Oh, man. So the thing about the Jets is it's been absolutely silent coming out of Florham Park. Mike McCagnan has uh, created an aura to the Jets where, quite frankly, we have no idea what they're thinking. Everyone believes that um, they're locked in on a guy like Paxton Lynch. Um, I don't believe it. I think that the Jets are going to continue with their best player on the board status. And I think at pick 20, that's where you see Miles Jack drop down to, and the Jets will draft Miles Jack as the outside linebacker for the future. Okay, um, Stan, same question. I disagree 100%. I disagree. I don't think he makes it. I still wish I could make it 10 if the Giants are there. Um, I, I think Baltimore, if you can get past Baltimore or get past uh, San Francisco, uh, I don't think they'll make it past New Orleans. I, I just, there's so many teams ahead of the Jets that are willing to take a, take a, take a linebacker um, that being said, I think the, the Jets should be looking to uh, find a replacement for uh, uh, the Drift Shaw Ferguson. I think, you know, a guy like Jack Hunter may be there. I think Taylor Decker may be there. I spoke to it earlier, and he doesn't think that, uh, that, that, that Decker has a, a first-round grade. Um, that being said, why not trade down for it? I think taking a title is probably the smartest way to go about it. Because, just to be real, Ferguson did uh, retire uh, pretty much out of nowhere. Okay, uh, real quick, guys, and I just want just name one team, and we're going to do this real quick. Who's going to have the best draft? Claude, who's your team? Um, the team to watch that could potentially have the best draft is going to be the team uh, 
Seattle Seahawks, man. I mean, they've consistently benefited off players falling down to them and taking the best player available. And these guys always pan out. And so I think the Seahawks will be the team with the best draft this year again. Stan, same question. Um, that's a, that's that's a, that's a solid choice. I mean, I think the Seahawks are, uh, would, would benefit from from taking a guy like a Robert Duncan DJ. Um, but I'm gonna go with the Tennessee Titans. I think uh, that what what they'll do is try to maneuver their way in the draft. I mean, look at what the Ravens did a few years back with Joe Flacco, trading up and then back down and maneuvering the draft and pretty well. So I think uh, I think I want to say the Tennessee Titans have a chance to have a good draft. All right. Uh, worst draft. I mean, we could pretty much throw anybody out there depending on how they pick. So I think it's kind of hard to say who's going to have the worst draft. But real quick, guys, just name it real quick. Don't have to go into quick. Um, go after go after any description regarding it. Who do you feel like has the worst draft, Claude? St. Louis Rams. Oh, L.A. Rams. Okay. Stan, who you got? I say it's I, I say it's the Cleveland Browns. Okay, Cleveland Browns, L.A. Rams. Either way, it should be a fun night tonight. Guys, thank you very much, and uh, we look forward to uh, checking out this year's draft. I can't wait. Thank you. I'm getting a little tired of your broken promises, promises. Looking at your pages, seeing different numbers and numbers. Call you when you're sorry, hanging with the fellas, the fellas. Hanging with my girls, you always getting jealous and jealous. I was with you when you didn't have no dollars, no dollars. Hanging at the crib, chilling with your mama, your mama. Never funded you, never brought the drama, the drama. Now you flip the script, play a
We're back, Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Once again, numbers 516-900-2278. And uh, like I said, it was just a crazy, you know, well, not really crazy, uh, just an interesting situation we got going on with the NBA in regards to the, uh, the series, especially that played last night. You're talking about the Clippers, you know, having to deal without Chris Paul, not having uh, Blake Griffin, and just, you know, getting, just trying to get their uh, – the team over the hump somehow. I it's it's just tough when you don't have your top guns. Just trying to find a balance, trying to find combinations that work. It's it's really something that they have to uh, consider moving forward. You know, just what they what they have. I mean, they, they they lost a tough game. They lost a really tough game last night. But the good thing about it, they weren't the team that everybody's going to be hating on. And basically, the team that everybody's hating on is the uh, Houston Rockets. The Rockets just laid an egg in a must-win game. I'm talking about a game where, you know, Jason Terry made his guarantees. Huge guarantees. Talking about the team is going to win. There will be a game six back in Houston. And two things I thought. One, Jason Terry is not the one to be making these guarantees. This it, the the person that should be making those guarantees would be, you would think, James Harden or Dwight Howard, for the most part. The second thing is, are they really serious? This team showed no effort throughout the entire game. There was no sense of urgency. And it's bad when you can see it, and you're not an athlete, and you can see the set that there was no sense of urgency. You could definitely see it. I I can't believe like we had to sit back and watch something like that. Just to see a team with their backs against the wall struggle the way they did. Um it's you know, I'm not gonna take anything away and I'm actually gonna I wanna spend a little time just talk about the Golden State Warriors and the adjustments and why Steve Kerr is the coach of the year. He made adjustments knowing that the MVP of the league, the best player in your team, was not going to be there. And the team still excelled. They still dominated when they were supposed to. How many, let's be honest, how many teams can say that? I, I'm not too sure if the Bulls in 96 without Jordan would have been as successful. So I'm I'm actually now for the first time leaning towards the Golden State Warriors as the best team of all time. I'm leaning towards them. But they have to win the title in order for me to officially give them that that name, that that place in history. So that's the question. Are they are they going to be able to do this going forward? And you know, I I'm a big supporter of what Steve Kerr has done. I feel like he's done an amazing job. And, you know, this is, we're actually going to play a a little clip of him talking in regards to his, uh, his strategy and how the team handled themselves in this series and moving forward. So this is his uh, presser from last night. This is Steve Kerr and the uh, rest of the Golden State Warriors with their, with their presser out there. Big win, if you want to call it a big win in terms of margin of victory against the uh, lowly Houston Rockets. Obviously, going into the next series, which will be more difficult, uh, good to have um, a few games under our belt. 
uh, without Steph. So we, we get a feel for it. Um, you know, the rotation is much different, obviously, and um, the way we play is a little bit different. Um, we just don't have, you know, the uh, fireworks that Steph provides. So we've just got to make sure we're more solid, which we, we have been um, last couple games in particular. And um, But it's good for our guys' confidence. And um, I think what, what pleases me the most is um, literally every single guy on our roster contributed during this series. You know, you had McAdoo and Ian Clark uh, who made big plays in, you know, the second and third games and uh, or third and fourth games, I guess. And then tonight I went to Anderson uh, instead of Mac. And I thought Anderson was great. He was a plus 11 in seven, in seven minutes and change. So um, a lot of guys had great series, but everybody contributed. So it's a very gratifying win. How important is a win like this a couple days after you guys got the bad news about Steph? How valuable is the timing just to have this good mood come so fast? Yeah, it's good for us. I think uh, more importantly, moving forward, um, you know, we don't know how long he's going to be out. We obviously, um, you know, we're going to miss him. But at the same time, it's a lot of basketball to play. And, uh, you know, for the next series, it's, it's a good momentum booster. We're going to see a game, and we did not want to go back to Houston. It's a long <laughs> flight. And um, it's always fun to protect the home court. We never, like, pride ourselves not losing here. So it was, uh, it was just a fun night. It's obviously fun when shots go in. Being that, obviously, everybody knows about the injury situation. It's a, it's a devastating uh, kind of thing. And I think when you go through traumatic events like that, you understand, you know, like now being in this position, playing with guys like Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, Draymond, you know, all-star, uh, being on this team, you know, there was a time where I was getting waved off of teams that weren't winning 20 games, you know. So uh, going through those experiences, it's humbling and uh, never getting too high or too low, you know, just respecting the process, keeping your head down and keep grinding. I mean, you've you're obviously a part of the media, so you've seen, you know, all the comments the last couple of days, you know, where everybody, you know, they think Steph goes down and the entire series changed, you know, but we thought otherwise. So, you know, we, we wanted to come out here locked in from the jump, you know, and make sure that we put our imprint on the game, you know, from the start, not let them get hope. You know, we saw what they done down 3-1 last year, you know, so we didn't want history to repeat itself, you know, so we had to come out from the jump and be locked in and, you know, that was definitely, you know, my plan from the start. I am a product of Steph. You know, I mean, if you know, we play very well off each other. You know, I think, you know, people would tweet me and say, oh, you're nothing without Steph. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm nothing without him, you know, but at the end of the day, when he's on the court, he's he makes me better. And I'll never be afraid to say that. You know, it's as a teammate, you have to make each other better, you know, so... You know, I don't really pay attention to the noise. Oh, you can't do this without Steph or you can't do that without Steph. Like, I know what I'm capable of, but I also know he makes me better. I mean, he's incredible. If he don't make you better, if he don't make you better, you suck. So, I'm fine with that. Everybody chipped in. It wasn't one or two guys. You know, obviously, Clay hit it up. You know, Sean had a good game. You know, I, I was able to play well. Bogut played well. Ian played well off the bench. Brandon Russ played well. Harrison chipped in. Like, everybody who came in, Anderson Verjao, who haven't played an entire series, came in and gave us big minutes. You know, that's a true professional. So, you know, the the gratifying thing about this win is everybody chipped in. And that's what it's got to be about when, when Steph's not out there. And that's uh, Draymond Green, obviously, giving his thoughts on Steph Curry not being there. And uh, just jumping in there, it's funny because hearing Sean Livingston 
come out and say, you know, he was released from teams that couldn't even win 20 games. Yeah, he's the big piece to what's going on with the Warriors. And it's interesting how the right mix can change a player's perception as well as their game. And and it's, it's real. It's definitely real. So, you know, I, I look at... I look at a player like Steph Curry and, you know, for what he brings for that team and how they still respect him even though he's gone. And then I think of a team like the Houston Rockets and how they're pointing fingers. They they don't know what's going on. And you could just see the mood. Just It doesn't even have to matter about wins and losses. It's the mood of the team. That's a big deal. Really huge deal. And uh, I go and I say that because, you know, the Houston Rockets, their head coach, J.B. Bickerstaff, obviously he got put into a tough situation taking over the team after Kevin McHale was fired, got him into the playoffs. And I don't know if he realized the type of team that he was taking over. Even though he was the assistant coach, I don't think he realized when you take take over the helm of a team like this, where there's no leadership, nobody really wanting to be the leader. It's a it's a mess. But uh, I just want to take a listen to what he had to say, you know, in regards to the uh, post game loss to the uh, Golden State Warriors. To me, this isn't about one game, right? To me, this is about the opportunities that we've had the entire year uh, that forced it to come down to this game, that forced it to come down to us being the eighth seed. Um, for me and for all of us, you know, I hope this was a learning experience. Uh, the importance of seizing every opportunity that you're given the opportunity of taking full of every uh, full advantage of every situation that you're in. Um, you know, these years in the NBA are priceless, and these years in the NBA aren't guaranteed to anybody. So when you're in these moments, you have to take full advantage of these moments. And unfortunately, we didn't do enough of that this year, and that put us in the eighth seed and put us in a very difficult position uh, to play against. You know the best team in the history of basketball. Um, so for me, that's the bigger picture, that we learn our lessons. Uh, we went with, you know, veteran guys who we believe could get the job done. Um, you know, I think those guys have a long history of doing those things. Uh, you know, Clint's going to play behind Dwight. You know, it's simple as that. Dwight's going to play. Um, you know, KJ's playing behind Trevor. Uh, Trevor's earned the right uh, to be on the floor. All season long, he's been our most dependable guy. Uh, any defensive assignment that we've asked him to play, he's played. Uh, so guys like that, you know, in these moments, you ride them. You give them their opportunity. You give them their just due. JB, you mentioned kind of the wasted opportunity throughout the season. Is that what or how did that prevent this team from ever kind of developing what it would take to compete in a situation like this? It's the consistency. You know, you don't become a very good team or a great team 
you know, if you don't do it every single night and every single day. Uh, you know, riding the roller coaster that we rode this year is not how you find consistency. And what this team needs to do is it needs to find a way to enjoy in a common goal. And that's the most important thing. Uh, when you watch teams that win, um, you know, there's an enthusiasm, there's a togetherness, there's a bond there where the winning is the only thing that matters. I think that's where you have to start. You start with that foundation and then you build from there. We didn't take or make the gains that we expected to make. And you know, that's the reason that I'm sitting here and you know, that's the reason that we're sitting here. It's because we didn't take the jump that we expected and we didn't live up to our own expectations. And that's uh, JB Biggerstaff, the interim head coach of the Houston Rockets talking about the team. And, you know, he made great points. He, and you could tell the hurt in his voice. Like, the guy really was trying to push this team. And, you know, Dwight Howard, he's not helping his cause, man. For a guy as talented as he is, same thing with James Harden, to have this hovering over you, it's not good. It's just not good at all. There is no way of building. There is no way of um, of just like taking something positive from this. There's, there's no positivity. That's that's the biggest downfall in regards to. Not being able to take any positivity from a game like this, when or even a season, has to come back to haunt you. It just has to. How do you expect for players to get better? How do you expect for a franchise to grow? At this point, we're basically looking at, you know, a full change. I think Marv Albert was talking about that during the game. Just a full-fledged turnover of the entire roster. You might keep James Harden. That's probably the only person, but... Dwight Howard is basically gone. Just a poor and pitiful performance, period. I, I can't think of any other words to describe it. And I, I don't think I remember a team ever just giving up like that on a coach, you know, in a city. That's a, that's a, that's a tough part about it. The other series that I do want to take a, a real quick look at is that Portland and LA Clippers series. Obviously, you know, the it's it's rough for all the Clipper fans out there because you're dealing with just the the collapse in terms of the injury. I mean that injury taking injuries, I should say, taking place in game game four just changed the entire look of the playoffs. Not just this series, but the playoffs. I wouldn't want to be really in Doc Rivers' shoes because now you're mixing and matching. You know, they lost the game last night, but they came out with great energy. But you saw after a while, there's nobody off that bench that can really take the place of the of uh, Chris Paul, off of, of a uh, Blake Griffin. There's just nobody there that can that can have that same type of close, even that type of impact. And if you're saying that, it's 
just tough. It's really tough for anybody to uh, to really get this team going. And I know for a fact that you look at the, the Clippers roster, which is an older roster. It's not that young. They had championship dreams, and all of that's kind of uh, go by the wayside, you know, when you look at it. It's a uh, tough situation. But I, I do believe, I do believe they'll figure it out. I, I think that uh, it'll be a situation they'll learn from. They'll, they'll get better with it. But uh, I, I, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you just never hear about it. You just don't. You don't hear about. Um, problems like that for a team but I'm actually you know just I just want you guys to hear Doc Rivers if you're a fan of the guy or not you kind of have to feel bad that he's trying to put this together but uh, this is what he had to say after the loss yesterday they wanted to win you know they were just up and sometimes you get up too much you know they they heard the same thing that you guys said <laughs> you know for 48 hours um, it's a hard game can they win they you know so I liked the emotion, uh, but uh, I just didn't think they could. They didn't sustain it. Like the pace we played at in the first half was terrific. Uh, we just couldn't sustain the pace. Our energy was flat. Like they turned their energy up the beginning of the third, and we were exhausted. I had to call two timeouts. You can just see it, and that's that's not conditioning. That was emotion, you know. Um, and you know it was tough. Like we did make a run and got back in, but now we're you know climbing back with a good team. So. Uh, I like um, a lot of the things we did tonight. Uh, I thought we lost our spirit a little bit in one stretch uh, when they started making just great shots, which we could live with. But I just thought it was our endurance early in the third, that stretch. They got back in the game. I thought that hurt us. And then uh, the beginning of the fourth, they did it again. Um, so I liked it overall. In terms of just generating offense without Blake and Chris, is that why – did you just tell Jamal – just keep shooting and go as much yeah, as you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, him, uh, JJ, Austin, you know, the problem was you can see that one stretch, Jamal and Austin were exhausted and they were stuck with the ball a bunch. And, you know, you know, it, it's, it's tough, but, uh, you know, we can generate more. I mean, heck, hell, we scored more tonight than we scored two games in Portland. So, uh, with the cold stretches that we had. So, uh, and honestly, I thought Jamal missed great shots at the one stretch so he'll make more of those uh it's a little windy a little windy but what can you do at this point you have to man up and find a way you know for me i can't worry about shot misses or minutes i just have to worry about trying to help us win you know and as long as my heart's in the right place trying to help us win the rest will take care of itself i think we were doing a good job on dame lillard you know through the course of the game the fourth quarter he just he made some tough shots. I thought guys on him played great defense, but I think he had one bank board, uh, one backboard shot, one shot rattled and went in. And when he gets going, it gives their whole team confidence. But I think we we're really excited to get out there. Obviously, we've been through a lot the last 48 hours, you know, and uh, we have to do a little better job calming ourselves down and, and kind of just staying in the moment and not being too jacked up. Obviously, 
the full continuity isn't what it could be, but we all know each other at this point. You know, we just have to kind of narrow down, and that's us on the court to kind of get a feel of what sets to run and, and things of that nature. But I have no doubt that we'll be ready game six. Honestly, I hope I get the exact same shots. Those are shots I've made all year. And, like, it's one thing if you miss, like, bad shots, but if you get the same shots you normally make, they can go in or not. And uh, that was just me personally. But I think for us, we went through a spell uh, where we couldn't score. And they scored a little bit, and then Doc called a timeout, we kind of regrouped. But, yeah, if those are there, we'll knock them down. Are you still hopeful you can win the series? For sure. No question about it. Uh, we're in the same situation last year. We had to go to San Antonio and went on their court. Uh, on game six to force a game seven in front of our home fans. So we're a confident group. We feel really good about game six. All right, that was Jamal Crawford talking about the team. And, you know, he feels confident. And, and like I said, he had to basically step up and be the guy for this team. He's He's been uh, he's a six-man a year for this year. To have to come in and just basically have the greenest light possible in this playoffs is uh, tough when your top two guns are down. And, uh, you know, the guys came up short. I, I personally don't see them winning. I just don't. I think that they're done right now after game six is it. But uh, weirder things have happened. Weirder things have happened. But uh, I do want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We'll be back on Monday. Have a special guest in the studio. Check out for KeepItARealSports.com for more information regarding that. As well as SportsSocialPod.com. If you just want sports social news. But uh, once again, thank everybody for uh, tuning in. And remember, tonight's draft, K-I-R-S NFL Draft is the hashtag. Once again, it's K-I-R-S NFL Draft. That's the hashtag. Make sure you do it. And um, just enjoy the rest of your weekend. And definitely tonight. You've been listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Southcast FM. Oh, yeah. I get around, still clown with the underground when we come around. Stronger than ever. Back to get wrecked. All respect to those who break their neck to keep their hopes in check. Cause though they sweat a brother majorly. And I don't know why your girl keeps paging me. She tell me that she needs me. Cries when she leaves me. And every time she sees me, she squeeze me. Saying bye-bye, just another hazard of a fly guy. Your ass why don't matter, my pockets got fatter. Now everybody's looking for the ladder. And ain't no need in being greedy. If you want to see me, try to leave a number, baby, when you need me. And I'll be there in a jiffy. Don't be picky, just be happy with this quickie. But when you learn, you can't time it down, baby, dog. Check it out. I get around. What you mean you don't know? Check it I get around. I get around, still down with the underground crowd. I get around, yeah. Hey yo, shot. Let them hoes know. Now you can tell from my everyday fits, I ain't.
rich So cease and desist with them tricks I'm just another black man caught up in the mix Trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents Just cause I'm a freak don't mean that we can hit the sheets Maybe I can sing that you don't recognize me I'm Chuck G, the one who put the satin on your panties Never knew a hooker that could share me I get What's up love, how you doing? Well I've been hanging, singing, trying to do my thing Oh, you heard that I was banging Your homegirl you went to school with That's cool, but did she tell you about her sister And your cousin thought I wasn't See, weekends was made for Michelob But it's a Monday, Monday So just let me hit it, yo And don't mistake my statement for a clown We can keep it on the down low Long as you know that I get around 